Okay, let's just start out here. We're, we're going to talk tonight about, the, uh, about sex trafficking, um, about um, prostitution, and, and about um, how the interplay of those two uh, both fuels the, the, um, the drive towards pornography and maybe even uh, helps uh, give it some market supply as well. Um, all these three things are related, these three social realities. Um, help us understand, and Kelly, we'll start with you, help us understand what sex trafficking is. I mean, it seems like we all know already, but it, it would be helpful to hear a concise definition of the term sex trafficking. Um, so just a quick uh, plug for a good resource. Uh, there's something called the Trafficking in Persons Report. So every year they come up with a really large document that takes a global look at human trafficking. So that includes sex trafficking, but also labor trafficking as well. Um, yeah, because so, it's, it is labor also. It's, it's slave labor. Yes, isn't exactly. It yeah. yeah. So there's over, they estimate about 24 plus million um, people around the world who are victims of modern day slavery. Um, so it's actually about 16% of that. Um, so like 4.8 million um, are sex trafficking victims. Um, but the really, Derek and I were talking about this more on the way down, the really interesting component of it is though, is that um, even though sex trafficking makes up only about 16%, um, it actually brings in 99 billion of the 150 billion total profit of trafficking, um, which just goes to show how lucrative um, and just expansive of an industry sex so trafficking is. So two-thirds exactly, of, yeah. of Come from 16% of the total trafficking um, yeah. victims around the world. Um, but in the Trafficking in Persons report, uh, they point to a definition that's kind of been accepted as the standard definition for sex trafficking, and that's the um, Trafficking Victim Protection Act um, that was written in 2000, and it just kind of puts some parameters on what is sex trafficking. Um, and so the definition that they say is it's a commercial sex act that's induced by either force, fraud, or coercion. Um, so those are the three really important factors or if it's a um, person under the age of 18. So that force, fraud, coercion does not have to be present if it is someone that's under the age of 18. So that's the most kind of widely accepted definition. Okay, of and this sex is inter an internationally accepted yes. definition? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, all right. And is, does this, um, well, I'm getting way into the weeds here, but I, I just, uh, what is the, the organization that, sort of sets these parameters on definitions like that. Uh, so that was an act. I'm trying to actually think who came up with the act. Oh, I should know oh, that off the top of my okay. head. But we'll, I, I will get later. that answer okay, and then okay. send it. All right. The trafficking in, in persons report is done by the United States every year. But again, they take a global perspective. Okay, okay, very good. Um, and, and are we talking about women mostly here? I mean... Does sex trafficking involve mostly women as as commodities, if you will? Sure. Um, so to answer that question more specifically, um, so the National Trafficking Hotline um, is a resource here in the United States. So anytime either a victim makes a report about trafficking or someone thinks that they see something that potentially is trafficking, they can call this hotline. And they've been keeping statistics since 2007. 
Um, so something that I pulled was that in 2017, there were 792 human trafficking cases that were reported um, through the hotline. 551 of them were sex trafficking cases. Um, and of those total 792, 661 were female. Um, so it's a pretty widely held yeah. um, belief that women are majority the ones that are impacted by sex trafficking. But it is a myth to say that men aren't ever victims. Um, because a lot of the work that I've done international, there's a lot of men um, that are trafficked and work in the red light districts in Bangkok and in Cambodia and places such as that as well. Um, Would that then, include places like the Netherlands too? Amsterdam. Uh, Amsterdam and so forth? I mean, uh, that, that there would be like men. Yeah. Yeah. So and, it's well, in the red light yeah. district in Amsterdam. I know that, I don't know what year it was. They tried opening like one block that was men and it wasn't very successful. Mm, so mostly yeah. in Amsterdam and like the shops. Yeah. Because I've spent some time in Amsterdam. You're mostly seeing women. But the other population that's really impacted by sex trafficking is minors. Um, so the trafficking in persons report, so many studies talk about how um, runaway youth, um, children who have been in the foster care system, wow. Um, wow. homeless youth, um, they're really... Um, there's just high likelihood that they end up, especially being lured by traffickers. So of that 792 cases in Texas in 2017, 244 were minors, um, which I just, it is pretty staggering. And this is just ones that are being reported. Yeah, I was just going to so say. So these are ones is... that are calling or people that are thinking they see something. Yeah. This is, it's such an underground who, industry. Who knows, you know, what goes under the radar exactly. on this kind of stuff. Um, it, well, that was my, my next question was, what are the, you know, about Texas in particular, but um, I'll ask it this way: What are the what are the areas of concentration in Texas? Yeah, for sex um, trafficking. Yeah, so I think something. So I worked with Jesus Said Love for eight years, and I think something that um, when I first got involved, I was in College Station, um, and I was shocked how much sex trafficking and how um, just big the sex industry was in College Station. Um, so like the short answer to it is I really do think the concentration's everywhere. Um, a lot of times people like to think, oh, it only happens in really big cities, but yeah. that's not the case. Um, so the National Trafficking Hotline also produced maps of where they received calls from. Um, and there are trends. Like you see more trafficking cases in bigger cities. Um, Houston's ranked the top um, city in America for sex trafficking. In America. Yes. So in the, that kind of ebbs and flows. So New York, LA, and Houston are pretty consistently in the wow. top three. But Houston's right now at the, the latest research I was looking at um, is number one. Um, so you're going to see it, you know, more in big cities where just more people reside. Sure. Um, and then you're going to see it in port cities. Um, was okay. what was talked about a lot as well. And that's because, like, the immigrant population is also really vulnerable um, to entering into the commercial sex industry as well. Now, you, um, I'll go ahead and ask you about Jesus Said Love here. Mm -hmm. This is an organization. I explain that organization, yeah. if you would. Yeah. So I worked with them since um, fall of 2010, and then my last day was the end of November of last year. So I worked with them for eight years. Um, they're an incredible agency. Um, they started in Waco, but they have teams in Dallas, Houston. Um, they had a presence here in San Antonio for a while. It's just been on pause for a little bit. Um, Tyler, Colleen, 
um, College Station, which is the team I started, but the club there got shut down. So we haven't been operating there either. Um, but essentially what Jesus Said Love exists to do is share the love of Christ with women in the commercial sex industry. Um, so they do that in a really practical way. In the commercial sex industry, so mm -hmm. strip clubs? Strip clubs specifically. Okay. Um, right. But what you kind of, the longer you're in this line of work, um, hopefully agencies are teaming up together. So we would get calls um, from anti-trafficking agencies or um, prison ministries is a great place to connect just about sure. women that may have been trafficked or um, that kind of thing. But we were going into strip clubs once a month and forming relationships with women um, in the clubs. Um, and really, like, a big motto of Jesus Said Love is they just want to love people without strings attached. Right, right. Um, so we brought gifts in as kind of an expression of the love of God. Um, but really, we we didn't have an agenda to take them all out, you know, at the end of the night. It was just to form relationships. Right. Um, but as you get in the industry, you realize that there's a lot of need. Um, so the other big component of Jesus Said Love is connecting women to both community resources and spiritual resources. That's, that's amazing. That really is. Um, the connection between sex trafficking and pornography uh, on the production side. I mean, do, does this, do, do, do these, I guess my question is, how much does pornography use, uh, pornography consumption, if you will, um, encourage the sex trafficking industry. I mean, it, the pornography industry, industry, such as it is, claims that they make uh, efforts to make sure everything is legit. Mm -hmm. Is it? I mean, do we know anything about this at all? So the short answer is there's absolutely a connection and that not everything is, I don't even know that word legit yeah. is hard to say is any of it you know, yeah, quote right. unquote legit. Well, well, no, yeah. and <laughs> no, I, what I, I hear meant what you're was saying. not coerced yes. or, you know, yes, dependent absolutely. upon yeah. sex trafficking. So, um, and I want Derek to speak to some of this. So yeah. a really great resource is... Yeah, he's it. sitting over there, you know, <laughs> I'm just here to support. Need to, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, just, I learned from we, her. No. <laughs> um, so Fight the New Drug is a really incredible online resource. Um, and so that was where I did even a lot of my research just in terms of what are people finding with the connection right now between sex trafficking and pornography. Um, so there was a um, article that they read, uh, wrote called How Porn Fuels Sex Trafficking. Um, and something that the author discussed over and over again, and it's going back to the original definition that I shared with you guys, that sex trafficking is defined as a commercial sex act um, that's induced by force, fraud, or coercion. So the author broke down those three words. And the big argument right now is that their entertainers that are coming out of the industry are all saying that at some point in their career as an entertainer, there was force, there was fraud, or there was coercion. Yeah. Um, so like some quotes people said, um, I was threatened that if I did not do the scene, I was going to get sued for lots of money. Um, sorry, I just lost my... Uh, another quote. Yeah, and, and this, let, let me just say, I mean, if coercion is coercion you know i mean yeah. if if you're telling that is not we would not we would be running to hr you know if yeah. in any other kind of business with that kind of of uh you know pressure mm -hmm. so anyway I'm, I'm sorry go ahead no no no. um it doesn't have to be somebody coming in in a cattle car yeah in other words is what i'm saying absolutely um 
he told me that I had to do it. And if I can't, he would charge me and I would lose any other bookings I had because I would make his agency look bad. I mean, and there was just like example after yeah. example after interview after interview um, of these women that said, you know, I was forced. Um, I was tricked. Um, they told me it was going to be this type of scene. And then I got there and they said, just kidding, it's this kind. Even though in your contract you say that you're not willing to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and gone are the days that uh, you go to your local 7-Eleven to buy pornography right. video, right? So these websites that, that pornography are on are oftentimes amateur pornography, which has even less regulation. Oh, yeah, I guess we, we don't even know have, what is going on You have no idea there. who's in it. Um, there's statistics that show that oftentimes in trafficking cases, pornography is filmed, and you don't know what happens with that. And then there's there's been lots of research, and one uh, study in particular where it looked at, and I think it was um, young men in India, but one of the four highest correlating factors between uh, buying sex uh, buying sex workers was the high use of pornography. So that that in itself has been proven to, to fuel demand. Right, right. On the demand side, it fuels yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it is interesting that, um, for instance, uh, I haven't heard much about this since, but a, a couple of years ago or three or four years ago, uh, Rashida Jones produced this Netflix documentary called Hot Girls Wanted. And I haven't, I mean, this, I thought at the time this was really going to um, cause this, cause more conversations to take place about this, but it doesn't seem to have done that. I, any yeah, any there's, there was that? a movie uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt called Don John, I the right, or Don Juan, uh, and it was it was about it was about pornography and just in the uh, unrealistic view of sex that pornography provides. And there's been lots of other celebrities that have come out. Terry Crews has been a really big one. He's oh the, yeah, yeah, he's that's really right. Big guy in that's Old Spice right. commercials. Yes, uh, that's right. He's awesome. But he, he he's been really uh, he's been really open about his own story um, and his own struggles with pornography and how that's affected yeah. relationships. So I, I do think you're seeing this. I think, and I know we're gonna get to this in a little bit, but I think that the, the church to lead in this and, and yeah. hasn't, hasn't done a good job of leading in it. Absolutely. Um, thankfully, there ha there have been some some places in entertainment that have started to speak out. Um, but I think this has got to be a place that the church leads out and talking about. So Yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember um, this Rashida Jones documentary would have exactly these kinds of uh, interviews in which these young women would say exactly these same kinds of things. I thought this, but it was actually this. Or I was told, you know, in no uncertain terms that my life was going to be ruined or they were going to tell somebody, you know, about about this if I didn't, you know, follow through with whatever they were asking me to do or telling me to do. And one more thought, like uh, Kelly referred to Fight the New Drug. There's another website called Your Brain on Porn. And I do think the science industry and the, and the science side of this has, has yes. definitely caught up and, and shown that, hey, this is this affects um, not only does it fuel demand, but something that I'm really passionate about is, is it affects the person that's, that's viewing it. Um, so I do think that the science is, is leading out in a, in a really cool way of showing the effects that it has. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now, <clears throat> you uh, talk a, a little bit about, um, Kelly, talk a little bit about the, the women that you worked with through Jesus Said Love. What did you find to be the case in, in these women's lives? I mean, were they, first of all, I just find it interesting that, um, that 
y'all were able, or an organization like this is is able to exist, I mean, how do you even gain access to these workers? Um, so Brett Emily, who they're founder and co-CEOs of Jesus Said Love, they're incredible people. Um, so they had a really great idea to essentially ask for permission. So a lot of um, ministries were kind of trying to figure out ways to kind of go like under the radar so yeah, people wouldn't right. totally know what they were doing. Um, so Brett and Emily, you know, before we do any outreach, we go to the manager. We say, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. We want to bring gifts to your woman once a month. Um, it's a really interesting dynamic in the commercial sex industry, specifically strip clubs, because that's where a lot of my work was done in. Um, managers play somewhat of kind of like a paternal role with the women that are working for them. And so when they need a loan, that's usually who they're going to first, or they get a flat tire on their way to work. Who do you think they're calling? Um, so now, are these managers, um, do they tend to be more trustworthy, if we could say that, in the in the view of these women than somebody that has abused them or, you know, a pimp or somebody like that? I mean, they... It sounds like they occupy a little bit of a different role in these. And they're business lives. owners. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, they want a successful business. Right. And a successful business means they have a lot of women that want to work at their yeah. club and for them. Um, That's a good point. Business owners licensed by the city, mm -hmm. I would presume, and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Um, and so we go to them and just say, hey, we want to be people that are support network as a support network for these women. So when they need a loan or they are short on their rent, they're calling us rather than you. Yeah. Or, um, And so we get permission from these club owners to come in once a month, um, which is the really incredible part. Nothing, I mean, we had... So that is, yeah. that, is that really is amazing. It's not, um, because, because you're completely above board about that. You're mm -hmm. not sneakily trying to lure them out of the sex industry necessarily. You're mm -hmm. just, you're, you are going to them yes. in the middle of that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think back to what your original question oh, was. Oh, <laughs> well, the, originally, I, my question was, before I interrupted myself, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> was uh, the, these women that you encountered there, what did you find mm -hmm. with them? Yeah, so um, a really interesting statistic is 70% of trafficking victims um, in the United States come through the commercial side. Um, so that's a big umbrella. It includes massage parlors. It includes okay. strip clubs. It say, includes say that once again. Seventy percent of trafficking victims come through the commercial sex industry. Um, so wow. that's going to include strip clubs. So a program that I created at Jesus Said Love. Um, it was called Access. It's a holistic training program, um, and a lot of the women that came through that program were trafficking survivors. So something that we did see over and over again. Um, was the correlation between strip clubs and trafficking. Not every time, like you can never make blanket statements that every woman working in a strip club um, is a victim of sex trafficking. But it is, it can be a high correlation. Um, most women in the industry don't want to be there. And I would say like that's something that I think people are almost surprised to hear. Um, and something that I tell people is really quickly after you start getting to know these women, they didn't grow up in their childhood dreaming of being a woman working at a strip club, right? So some kind of desperate situation is usually what um, brings them to the strip club. Yeah. Um, they need to make fast money for whatever it is. There's a lot of moms, 80% of the women that Jesus had loved 
works with okay. are moms. 80%? 80%, yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of moms, yeah. So all that to say, like, there's a high need, you know, just in their life. And so, um, yeah, they really are. Women in the commercial sex industry are some of the most strong and resilient women that I've ever met. Mm. Um, a lot of them come from, you know, really difficult, painful, traumatic backgrounds. Um, and then a lot of women in the industry can feel like they get stuck. You know, they go to work at the strip club thinking this is going to be a really short-term solution to whatever problem I'm facing. Um, and then a month turns into six months, which turns into a year, which turns into five years. And all of a sudden, you have a big work gap on a resume. Um, and, you know, our culture is not always great about working with former commercial sex exploits. You know, they don't necessarily want to hire them exactly. at their business. Um, so those are some just generals of... So it's that. it's so interesting that um, one anyone who patronizes a strip club is going is is really throwing the dice on whether or not they're patronizing a place that has hired sex trafficking victims. But second, most women don't want to be there, so you're patronizing a place in in which there is this general. Uh, dread of being of, of working where they're working uh, the, the women themselves that is well that's a, a larger narrative there that is very very that's hard to think about really um, well um, what what is the average age of a woman entering the commercial sex industry um, so that Average age that um, they're finding now for sex trafficking victims is 12 to 14. Um, so this is, I mean, these are what? That's mm. middle school age children. Um, and then that's how a lot of women, like I said, you know, that's some of these women that entered at 12 and 14 are the women that I'm meeting as 40-year-old women, right? Like, you know. Wow. Do you know, uh, I mean, did you meet women that you learned later began as sex trafficking very, very victims. young yeah. sex trafficking victims. And like I said, like it didn't happen. It wasn't every woman that I worked right. with, you sure, know, sure. Um, but it was definitely like some people's stories and um, things that they've undergone. Um, wow. Wow. Um, and are, are they, what are their working conditions? I mean, uh, clearly the manager wants to keep the business going and so forth. I mean, do they, what did you find as far as their their working conditions, you know, such as it is? I mean, um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, and they work. I mean, really, is there drug use there uh, among them, or so um, you know, a big part of the work that we did was we really weren't necessarily there, kind of looking for those things. Sure. The sure. reality is, there is absolutely a tie to the commercial sex industry with drug and alcohol addiction. Um, so a lot of time, it's the very avenue women need to use in order to survive yeah. the climate yeah, that they're in, absolutely. unfortunately, um, which just becomes kind of kind a of cycle, self-medicating right? kind yeah. of uh, thing. Mm -hmm. Do, do um, their, their health concerns, I mean, there's, there's pregnancy, uh, clearly, um, um, any, I mean, sexually transmitted diseases. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm, 
I feel like I'm sitting here going, you know, gee, I, I have this stereotypical view of, you know, the sleazy kind of deal. And I, I, hearing you talk about this and talk about the strong and resilient women here, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all the more heartbreaking. But to think that, you know, most of us probably would have these stereotypical views of these women who are not even smart, but they mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. according to what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some of these women are going on now to start their own businesses after yeah. they kind of go through some programs in Jesus Said Love, which is incredible. Um, pregnancy, like I said, a lot of the women are moms, and their strength and resili resilience is really shown in that they keep working when they're pregnant. Um, so, you know, they work up until manager tells them they can no longer work anymore and be up on the stage. Yeah. Um, and I think this is true for anything in the commercial sex industry. I mean, when a sex trafficking victim is... Um, becomes pregnant, her pimp most likely is going to force an abortion. Um, or if he does or she does let the pregnancy stay, like she's probably going to keep working until they determine that she wow. can't work anymore. Um, sexually transmitted diseases, like a lot of the research I was doing, um, even with pornography, that's where it actually can become a huge issue, um, is... Uh, you know, they're supposed to have testing done every two weeks and keep their licensing in the, up. In the pornography production in, industry. industry yeah. yeah. And a lot of times um, producers are just kind of like turning their heads about that. Um, so a lot of times that's another thing a lot of victims or, you know, entertainers who leave the industry come out and say um, is they, um, you know, developed all these sexually transmitted diseases uh, even though like they were getting their testing done every two weeks and essentially just there was producers that would turn their head, oh, this person hasn't gotten one in six weeks, but I really need this scene shot. And so wow. I'm not going to regulate it very Unbelievable. Um, you, you've mentioned programs that Jesus Said Love mm -hmm. uh, fosters for uh, these women. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I, um, in 2017, um, created a program called Access, which is a holistic training program for women who are leaving the industry. Um, so it's a 30-hour week, Monday through Friday. Um, there's five different components, physical health, spiritual development, job readiness, mental, emotional health, and parenting skills, um, or life skills, which include like parenting, leadership development, that kind of thing. Um, and so we've had a lot of women that there's been three installments that I did. Um, and then there's an installment right now going on with the person who came and took my spot. Um, so a lot of the women over and over again in all my years of working for Jesus Said Love say, we went out, but we feel like there's no way to do it. Yeah. Um, and so we finally, once we got an office space in Waco said, like, we need to provide some type of option for women that are coming to us and saying, we want out. Um, so like part of that program is they start working with an employer in town during the entire eight weeks. It's kind of like an internship for some of that 30 hour a week time. And a lot of the women ended up getting offered jobs from those employers. Um, but different agencies come in and teach the job readiness. We do three workout classes. We do a counseling class. Um, just because there's so, I mean, there's years of trauma. Um, so it's really hard to just look at someone in the industry and say, just go get another job. It's easy. Um, when you've endured yeah. the kind of trauma they have, that's a really you know, not so easy thing. We, had, um, we were talking with somebody a couple of years ago at one of these uh, events about homelessness. And uh, the, the, the guest on the panel that night said much the same thing, except in the, the homeless 
uh, context that we say, well, just, you know, you're able-bodied, go get a job. And there, the dynamic of that is completely, I mean, these people, you know, people who have experienced homelessness or people, and I, I would think, based on what you're saying here, that women who are in the commercial sex industry, they, there is a, there's not only a blank space, space on their resume, there's a blank space in their life for um, the, the know-how even to look for a job. And so this is a very difficult thing. And, and that's just, I mean, that seems exactly right that, that this program would partner with them in that way. That's amazing. And you would have to then partner with, with employers in town, businesses in town that would be willing to do this. Is that what? Yeah, so you I really understand? just need a collaborative community. And that's where a lot of the front end work happened was. Um, and Brett and Emily have done an incredible job in Waco specifically, but really all over the state of the cities that they're in, connecting with other business owners, agencies, knowing that this can't just be a one organization yeah. type yeah. of work. It really does require buy-in from the entire community. Um, wow. So a lot of connections need to be made. Brett and Emily are incredible connectors. <laughs> um, and, and you have worked, Derek, uh, as uh, with this as a security detail. In fact, that's how y'all met is through this Jesus as said you can love. Tell, I've worked in a lot of security in my life. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I'm intimidated even know, as we speak. Uh, but, uh, and and you, um, in, in your work with, though now with, uh, with students, with teenagers and so forth, um, you were, we were talking a little bit earlier and this generation now that are, you know, populating your your youth group, for instance, your youth ministry. Uh, they've had technology all their lives since they were six. Is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, the iPhone came out, what, 2007? Seven, is that right? Yeah, yeah so, 12 years ago. So, yeah, middle schoolers, that's what they were born. Yeah, that's know? right, that's right. So college, the older, college so the students, older. they were in elementary school. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Yeah. Which means that they've had access absolutely, to absolutely. Uh, pornography, to, um, you know. Yeah, and, I, and I, just as a side, I think oftentimes this is talked as, as a male issue, and uh, specifically with sex trafficking and prostitution, that, that, that's kind of proven to be true. But I think with pornography, uh, that's proving less and less to be true. Um, oh, that's right. I mean, there are, there are young girls and young boys who have even experienced addiction to pornography. Absolutely. And, and I'm so, guessing yeah. you've seen this in your so, own. Totally. Um, and I, a part of it's um, you're, you're growing and you're, and you're curious and, and you want to look things up. And sure. Then, but also I, students are growing up with technology their parents didn't have. And so their parents don't necessarily know how to That's right. look at it or control it. Or that was totally my story is my parents were oblivious and just didn't know. Yeah. And I had access and they didn't know that they had blocked stuff on the computer, but didn't know that I had access with an iPod that they thought just did music. But it turns out it goes on the internet and, too. And how, how old are you? Uh, 14. Yeah, no, I mean, how old are you right well, how now? How old am I now? Yes. I'm not 14 now. I'm 28. Yeah. You're 28. <laughs> yes. Okay. I am your parent. Yeah. Uh, my, my oldest child is 27. And so when you're talking about oblivious parents, you're talking about me, and I really take offense. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't take offense. I, 
I absolutely understand that. I mean, it, that's what I lived, you know? Yeah, so I, w with that, it's, it's just opening up conversations that, that as a society that we're having with, with youth and with students and especially inside the church that we make it okay to talk about. It's not a shame thing. We're not talking about shame. There's no, sure. there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? But, but those students feel shame, though. They do. Yes, uh, exactly. They feel deeply ashamed. Yeah, and um, I, th I think that that's 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 the work of the enemy, right? Is to make us feel shame in yeah. our in our sin. Um, yeah. And conviction is a totally different thing. Conviction always is a turning place. So I think inside the church, what how do we create a a openness to to grace and to conversations and to accountability that helps people move away from the places they don't want to be? No one wants to no one wants to be stuck in that um, because they they continue to feel shame and shame brings you inside. This is. Um, Hearing you talk about this um, raises the question in me, is this something that we need? Is the use of pornography something that we just don't suspect, but we expect? I mean, maybe we, we need to understand and expect these kids to have been exposed to that. I mean, not that we, of course, condone that, but we just say, yes, and, I mean... It's so that it ceases to be a surprise, because I think surprise sometimes is a form of accusatory behavior. In the, if you're you know, staring across the table from a 13-year-old girl or boy, and you're surprised, how are they going to interpret that other than, I, I'm being scolded for this behavior, and I feel bad enough already. Yeah, and let me say this. I, 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 it's not just um, Generation Z is, is teenagers now. It's not just Gen Z. Um, the Barna Group did a did a study that that showed 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. So, so it's everyone. It. And, it is. And let's just say that. Say it's everyone. That's and then, right. And, and so we, we say, I, you know, hey, 13-year-old, yeah. I know the path that you walk. And because we're all in this, and we all have to say, we all need some help and we all need to talk this through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, where where is technology headed? I mean, I know you and I have talked a little bit on the phone, yeah. uh, especially uh, about some of this technology yeah. in as it relates to the commercial sex industry. Yeah, the sex industry is a massive business. It's it's one of the if you took the sex industry as a whole, it's one of the biggest corporations in the world, and the, and the biggest corporations always adjust to technology. Yeah. Right. How many right. of you have heard of uh, Betamax? Anyone heard of Betamax? Yeah. So it was the competition of VHS. Was. Was. And yeah. do you know why? It's it a better product, actually. Do you know why it was? It, it is a was and not a is. I mean, I guess VHS is a was now as well. But well, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, wow, you're. Uh, I'm not watching VHS. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're still watching Disney movies on VHS. No. So, so Sony, who may be at Betamax, decided to not allow pornography industries to use its technology. And it flopped because VHS was used. Okay, I I did not know yeah. that. That's amazing. And it's the same thing with more recently wow. was HD DVD and Blu-ray. And pornography industry went with Blu-ray because uh, it had more space for for features and things like that. So and, similarly, and, and HD did DVD, not go with HD DVD. And that, that fell off. So um, the porn industry is using social media, Snapchat, Instagram, yeah. Twitter. Facebook, and we, we didn't really talk about this earlier, but, but Facebook is one of the, 
uh, most used places to, to find sex trafficking and um, for pimps to market. Um, Craigslist. Yeah, Craigslist. Really yeah. Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's it's it uses it uses everything. And I uh, I was reading an article. And, uh, and hang on one second. Despite the crackdowns, I mean, there have been Craigslist has come under great scrutiny, but it, but they're still finding ways into that kind of thing. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, pimps have known how to work the system. Yeah. For go years. right up to the line and yeah. And, yeah. So yeah, you use and, a different. Uh, WhatsApp has been used a ton because WhatsApp, WhatsApp? because WhatsApp is is uh, a app wow. for, for messaging yeah. and it's it, it's not as uh, your your messages aren't as watched at, like through iMessage or things like that. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. like what people use to text people overseas and in China. That's right. But, but that's been utilized to pass on child pornography and things like okay. that. So it's always going to find a space. It's, sorry, I was going to say was, I read an article. I don't know if you guys remember the Google, Google Glass, those really weird-looking glasses that yeah, were supposed to like, right. change the world. Yeah. Well, uh, still waiting. Still waiting, exactly. But there, there were porn apps for that that were coming around. Uh, wow. VR, which is big now, virtual reality, that's been used. And then what we've talked about a lot is uh, this idea of sex robots and sex and yeah, and it still still sounds like a punchline, doesn't it? I mean, it, it still sounds like, sounds a, like a joke. Movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but but it's not. It's, I mean, it is not. it is with us now. Yeah, there was a us. there was a brothel that that almost opened up in Houston uh, last year, but it got it got shut down due to some regulations. But there's a company in Canada that is currently producing um, sex robots and and trying to yeah. Market this is them. the old version of the you know the the blow up doll, but it's it's now a robot. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Animatronic kind of thing. Which is this weird and crazy fullness of pornography and prostitution together merging yeah. um and and we are going to have one of our and i may have mentioned to you one of our episodes uh, of of thursday in the city probably in the fall is going to focus on artificial intelligence and robotics and um and 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 human rights you know because as as we get you know as we make these robots and i know this just sounds so bizarre to many people but we're going to have to figure out ethically how we relate to them and, and the sex industry is going to be a part of that context there Absolutely. robotically, yeah. you know. Um, so, but, but, so there's a brothel already, uh, a robotic sex brothel. I mean, we are we're using every tool at our disposal, uh, really technologically, socially, you know, all of this to, um, to facilitate uh, the sex industry. So, where does that leave us in the church? I mean, what, what is, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do we all need to join? You know, Jesus said love. Do we do we need to uh, have small groups with young people that we talk to? I mean, what what is, what's going on here? Yeah, I think I, I have a couple thoughts, and I, I know you have a thought that I'd like you to follow up on. Um, I. I the church needs to talk about a, a full Christian ethic. Um, I think we as a church have bought into a more Western view of ethics and that as long as you're not hurting someone, you're okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's truth to that. It's really kind of the silver rule, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's uh, don't do to others what you would not have others do to you. Exactly. Exactly. That's but, kind of the passive uh, rule. Yeah, and if you if you look at Scripture, whether it's Old Testament and the idea of of Israel or the New Testament, and Paul talking about the the body 
as the church. Um, there's, there's a communal ethic. What you do matters because it matters the people you're with. And then not only that, in Scripture, there's an idea of the Mago Day that we are image bearers. That's so right. even if you're on a deserted island, no one around you, you're not hurting anyone, you're not a part of a community, it matters what you do because you are created by God. Yeah. You have the divine spirit inside of you, and God cares about you a lot. Yeah. And so, therefore, you are loved with infinite value, and, and God wants you to, to live out in that way and live out in a way that, that, that causes you to flourish. Um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we need to, we need to be letting that biblical view inform our teaching on the on the body and we've not done a very good job of talking about the body in any context no i mean the resurrection here we are coming up on easter this is a huge Mm -hmm. affirmation of the body Mm -hmm. and it it is a we think of the resurrection as as simply the time that jesus you know proved all the naysayers wrong but there's so much more than that it is it is a, a call to love God with our bodies, yeah. is it not? Yeah, and I, I think in, in, in a church, in, with all the best intentions, we, we have failed in, the, in this conversation about sex. You look back um, at purity culture and the idea of just don't have sex till you get married. Um, I'm going to... Yeah, it's, the, it's sort of like way. just say no, you know, exactly. drugs, you know, ported over to sexuality. Just With this say idea no. of like, you just say no, and then you have the best marriage ever, and, and that's not yeah. true. Yeah. Um, but I, I, we've ignored the, the, the need for connection uh, between between humans, and um, I, I know, Kelly, you have some thoughts on that. I'd love for you to share, because um, that's, that's a big reason why people are even... S- going after prostitution or going after pornography. It's just yeah. for that connection. Well, it's the old saying, everyone that knocks on a brothel door is looking for God. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that's that's exactly uh, kind of right in line with that. So but, and I, I, I would love for Kelly to share a couple of stories that she's heard, but if, if the church can't be the place for every single person to find connection, not just the married person, not just the person with kids, not just the person that's been there their whole life, it can't be the place for everyone to find connection, they're gonna, we're, people are going to go somewhere else. That's right. And they're going to find connection. Not Even connection. if it's fleeting or superficial. Exactly. It, it's, you know, sometimes they say, well, it's better than the abyss that I'm facing otherwise. Uh, yes, Kelly, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, because I think the question is, is, is sex robots a good thing? And yeah, back as, to sex as, robots As we now, were so. exploring that together, it was like, you know, one argument is going to be, you know, better a robot than a person, right? Or... If yeah, someone's going right. to act out on an aggressive, like aggression, aggressive, I'm like, I can't get that word out of my mouth, <laughs> an aggressive tendency better on a robot than a real person. Right, and a bit, what a big selling point. We're going to end the violence and human trafficking. Against women, gonna, yeah. yeah. Against women, so. Which I do think those statements are both true, but I really do think that the biggest shared need of all humanity is for connection, and that could not have been reiterated more to me than working with women in the sex industry. Mm. Because over and over and over again, I heard stories of men paying for some type of sexual act and them just wanting to talk the whole time. Or coming into the club and rather than doing what you would think people would be doing at strip clubs, just asking, can you just come sit with me for an hour? Here's the amount of money that you would be making. I just want someone to talk to, which kind of showcases there is loneliness in our world. 
Um, There's something extremely poignant about that. I mean, it, it, it is uh, that, I mean, that speaks volumes mm -hmm. of the yawning uh, chasm of loneliness yeah. there. And I think if people, you know, you get in a habit where you're trying to fill that loneliness or need for connection with pornography over and over and over again, it is going to callous people to where they are going to start becoming aggressive people and violent towards people and having worse and worse and worse worse fantasies developed or robots. even more I mean, perverse. It, it, that in the end, that's not even the answer, yeah. is and it? And that's I mean, the science behind dopamine is that dopamine kicks. You yeah. need more and more. That's right. the old conversation with drugs is you need more to get high. It's kind of the same idea with, with pornography and sex. Is yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to change and shift. Um, and I, as Kelly was talking about that, it's like, wow, have we fallen short right as the church that someone has to go to a strip club to find a conversation when they probably pass 10 churches to get there? Mm. And uh, that, that's, on, that's on us, and that's... Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering if, if we... Are we... Um, how can we pray for women in this industry? I mean, what would, what would they say to pray for if we would ask them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, if I had to summarize what they would say. Well, I tell you what, why don't you think about that? Yeah, yeah. ask Derek and, and Well, well I, we're going to turn to some questions from out here right now, and uh, we've got several uh, coming in here. Um, how can we best protect our children from being trafficked? Yeah, I mean, so kind of it's proven across multiple different um, experts that pimps really do what Derek was talking about. And their prime area um, is social media. Um, so they're going to prey on any type of vulnerability, including insecurity. Um, so if, you know, they're talking to a girl who's in middle school, she's not, all of her other friends are dating, she's not, mm. she's insecure about the way she looks. Um, usually pimps, they become like boyfriends. And I know that's kind of a crazy concept, but like these teenage girls actually like fall in love with them. So it kind of even showcases like just that need for connection. I mean, really yeah. it's, you know, young children that they want someone to tell them they're beautiful and they're valued and they have potential. And um, so I would, I think having strict, I don't know, I would love for you to chime in on this, but about boundaries surrounding social media, um, phone usage, knowing who they're hanging out with, where they're going. Yeah, and I, uh, like protect totally makes sense in this context. My first thought was there, there's been lots of research done about how this generation, iGen, Gen Z, is actually the most protected generation in history, are committing less crimes, are having less sex, are having less pregnancies, are drinking less. So uh, helicopter parenting works. Well, but they're more depressed, more anxious. <laughs> they're more on, they're oh, okay. more on their phone. Uh, so helicopter parenting don't doesn't know how work. To, don't uh, know how to survive when they're on their own. So yeah. wow. I think the idea is wow. like in, inform, right? It, there's, there's a level like you should protect your 10-year-old, right? But, yeah. uh, and whether it's, because, yeah, whether it's protecting and helping your child not get trafficked, which is probably pretty rare, or helping your child see the, the dangers of pornography and avoiding that it's it's conversations there's there's limits and boundaries as as sh children are younger but every 18 year old hopefully 
is going off on their own. And um, there's got to be layers kind of taken off and conversations had of, hey, let's be on the same page on this. Yeah, and, and I, I, following up with that, I mean, that's exactly right, I think. Um, there are um, any conversation that is off limits with your child is a conversation they're going to have with somebody else. Google um, or their friends. That's right. And both are bad. And, and so, so it's incumbent upon parents then to build the kind of life with their children in which there is no off-limits conversation. I mean, there is nothing, and, and that's, that's difficult. I mean, the parents are going to have to really go to school on this, you know. And, and uh, um, here, Here's a question. What can we do to detect possible situations that involve sex trafficking and help those who may be trapped in it? I often wonder, you know, when I see a young woman, you know, asking for money or, you know, hanging around a gas station or whatever. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um, so in, that, in those kind of situations, like if a woman's by herself and you're suspecting something seems off, I would encourage you, you know, if it truly is just like she's standing in the corner of a gas station, you could like get in a conversation with her, ask some questions. Um, I would highly recommend first step is if you have even an ounce of suspicion, you call the National Trafficking Hotline. You can just Google that number. It pops up for you. The National Trafficking Hotline. hotline. Um, and so those were the statistics that I was reading. They kind of, they work with local law enforcement and they kind of look into um, if there's a report that keeps being made at the same restaurant, that's how like a big bust at a restaurant will happen or a big bust at a massage oh, parlor. Yeah, yeah. If right. enough people are drawing attention to it, they're like, hey, this Enough people have thought this is suspicious. We probably need to like use the limited funds that we have to really pursue this. Um, I would definitely say if you know it looks like a young girl's with an older guy, I wouldn't approach them. That could put both the girl oh, um, yeah, or a young right. boy and you in a dangerous situation. Um, that's why I would always just recommend either calling the national trafficking hotline, calling your local law enforcement, just reporting. I mean, at this point, I just think reporting is one of the most beneficial things we can do. Um, in terms of spotting signs of trafficking. Okay. Pay, pay attention, report when mm -hmm. necessary. Um, and the, San Antonio has like an anti-trafficking task force. Um, so a lot of big cities have kind of developed where like local law enforcement are there, um, anti-trafficking agencies. So I would say like educate yourselves about what it's looking like here in San Antonio. They usually meet once a quarter. Um, and that could be a really, you know, great opportunity. Oh, and then you could even start partnering with some anti-trafficking agencies here. It, San Antonio, every once in a while we hear about, you know, when there's a big sporting event here or something, we hear about, you know, runaways and potential sex trafficking. Any idea of where San Antonio ranks uh, in, in this I had it thing? pulled up, and that was in the most sex trafficking cases that were reported on the hotline per capita. It was like 54, I think. In the ranking mm -hmm. across the nation or in, yeah, 54? It's across the U.S. It's 54. Wait, no, so then it would be 54. Oh, yeah. Sorry, not states, cities. I had a moment. I had a moment of doing including, bad math in my including, head. Including uh, the uh, territories and the protectorates. Um, Just kidding. I Puerto promise Rico. I have graduated uh, from college no, and no, I'm getting I, my master's. I, you know what? It's the bright lights. Math is really hard lights. for me yeah. sometimes. <laughs> math is hard. Um, no, but uh, let me... Have, have you ever encountered, this question says, the scenario of college students 
becoming quote-unquote sugar babies to pay for college, how does that fit into the realm of sex trafficking? Glomming onto some rich man and, you know, who pays them for favors. I mean, any any experience there? I mean, if... Uh, um, so, I mean, encounters? working in college towns, um, you would hear somewhat, you know, either that would be the thing that lured them into the industry was to pay for college, um, or I did... You know, I worked with some women who there was kind of this older man that was paying for um, things such as school or other needs that came up. Um, I think any, like really any type of act that is a commercial sex act could fall under trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. So the big question there would be, is there any force, fraud, or coercion? Um, yeah, and that gets real fuzzy, it would seem like, because, uh, you know, they may sort of exploit the fears, the financial fears maybe that this person, exactly. this girl has, this young So I'd say boy. the likelihood it can be high <laughs> in that yeah, kind yeah. of situation, right. but I right. can't say with 100% confidence that it would be trafficking every time. Sure. Um, how do women trying to leave the sex industry make the transition to a different type of job that probably pays much less? Is, um, and it says, isn't money a big barrier to leaving? Money is, and it's... To leave, I'm sorry, to leaving, not living. Leaving, yeah. Uh, um, you know, and some, of, like a big myth is that strippers make, or even prostitutes make tons and tons and tons of money. Um, in some of your really nice clubs and really big cities, maybe they're making a lot of money. But really, like the lure of the industry is it's fast money. You have a bill due the next day. You can go in, work a night. And hopefully, if you have a good night, you come away with $500. But then there's some nights you're walking away with $40 yeah. or $25. So it's not even necessarily um, like the monies. A lot of women we work with fall below the poverty line. Wow. Um, so not, yeah, not would, big money, but fast money. Yeah. So I would say, but there are some, of course, that make big money. Well, yeah, like but I that's said, probably. It, it's just not the, the majority. Story. Yeah. So yes, getting another job can be really difficult. And that's what I, I mean, probably like the biggest prayer um, is for, I, my first thought was family and connection. Um, so women in the industry, as they kind of come into the Jesus said love family, and over and over and over again, we hear for the first time, I feel like I have a family. Wow. I feel like I have people who are in my corner who will fight for me, who are there for me. Um, so I would just say praying for women in the industry to find um, true family and connection, but also job, I mean, opportunity yeah. um, is the big barrier. It, it's, it would seem that the women leaving, that that is the most vulnerable time, I, I would guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, well, I can't even imagine the, the kind of courage that it would take finally to say, I'm doing this, I'm leaving, because that's a, that's a scary or a terrifying leap to make. Do you see recidivism? I mean, do you see women falling back into uh, this that, that you worked with? Yes, yeah, so we saw that a lot, especially the first probably like five or six years I worked for Jesus Said Love. And that's really kind of the place that this access program was birthed from. Okay. Is how can we create that in-between sure. program training, equipping, healing time to prepare them for what's next. Um, but I think you're always going to see re recidivism into the sex industry. And it's just, it, it goes back to pornography and the um, demand. Yeah. The demand is always there. So, I mean, managers never care if women leave because they know a huge, yeah. you know, group of women are coming in looking for jobs. And um, by the way, that's another question here. Is the sex industry growing? 
or, that's or a great shrinking. Question. I mean, that's the question um, here. I would say I think it's ever expanding and growing, unfortunately. And there's been a lot of awareness that's come. So, you know, you have a lot of anti-trafficking task force forces, you know, in different cities that are really combating sex trafficking. Um, the sex industry itself is changing. I do think like you're going to start seeing and at Jesus of Love, you know, we are starting to have these conversations like strip clubs maybe shutting down, but a lot of it's going online. Um, oh, yeah. So the sex industry isn't isn't new, right? It's been around. We, well, the Bible, you know, it's like it's it's, it's in the Bible. That's it, exactly right. And this this question, as a matter of fact, said, did pornography exist at the time of Jesus, or is it a modern thing? We know. Derek, can you that answer that question? Certainly, prostitution. <laughs> uh, what well, what was that? I'm sorry. I was just saying, Derek, why don't you take that yeah. one? Because yeah. I don't know if you. I would love to hear what your yeah. thoughts would be. Yeah. Uh, well. The, the, the Greek word for lust is, is, is how we even get the, the word pornography, pornea. Um, yeah, I th there's been sex trafficking. Paul talks about uh, like the temple sex workers, and you see that in the Old Testament. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so that's always been around. Like, like I said, it, it takes different forms. And um, probably certain writings would be, uh, you know, pornographic writings. And we know we've seen like at Mount Vesuvius, mm -hmm. you know, some, I mean, you, some of those, um, you know, frozen in time, you know, they have pictures of, of people engaged in various sex acts and, yeah. and that I, kind of thing. I, I think there's, whatever, whatever technology has been around, there's been some sort of, some of, right. Some right. Form of pornography in that era. Right. Um, and, and it will continue to, to be so. And it is interesting that Jesus did interact with the sex industry. I mean, we don't often, oh, yeah. we say he interacted with prostitutes, but that's the sex industry. Yeah. And um, they were known, you know, and, and of course the world's oldest profession. I mean, we, we talk about that. But this is, um, this is very old, isn't it, as long as we've, we've been around. Um, advice to someone being sex trafficked. I mean, that sounds like, I mean, I guess make a phone call first that you, if you know somebody's being sex trafficked. But... What do you say to somebody? Um, I mean, if you were in a position where you were talking with someone who was a sex trafficking victim, um, I mean, they're surviving, and that's just the reality. So even them making a phone call is a huge risk. Um, that national trafficking hotline, though, they can call that um, and report that they themselves are being trafficked. Um, so so it is a risk to speak with, with somebody. Um, oh, I mean... If they are have a risk to that person, um, the sex trafficking the, the, victim to the to the victim. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, pimps just have a really tight grip and control over sex trafficking victims. I mean, if you start doing research and start reading stories of sex trafficking survivors, I mean, it truly is horrific. Um, the techniques they use to teach domination, submission. Um, I mean, the average lifespan for a woman in the industry is seven years. Um, like most women are not surviving longer in the industry than seven years. And, the sex you don't trafficking mean, you don't industry. Mean, oh, you mean death? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I mean, it's a really harsh um, environment. Um, so they don't come out of this alive, many of them. And some do, right? Like, right. you know, we have a lot of testimonials of sex trafficking survivors. Um, but, I mean, think of all the stories we just don't even know yeah, of right. young yeah. girls, women, 
um, young boys, men who have died because of, I mean, it's slavery. Like It is, absolutely. Um, so it's brutal. Um, there, you, you've spoken, despite the uh, ugliness of much of what has uh, been shared here, I mean, you've, hope is shining through here. And uh, the very fact that we can have this kind of conversation and that you can bring these thoughts to bear uh, is proof of that. So thank you so much for being here. Would you all help me thank our guests here tonight?